Welcome to the Digital Aircraft Secrets Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Schultz. Today, we have another episode of Blockchain in Aviation. This is episode nine, where we explore air traffic management and uncrewed traffic management and how blockchain applies. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Blockchain in Aviation live broadcast. Today, we have another exciting subject that we're going to be talking about. And uh, for those of you that uh, don't really know, um, we are getting into air traffic management. And we're going to be talking about how blockchain actually is being used in air traffic management. But more than that, I'm bringing to you expertise and subject matter knowledge of actually the air traffic control system and air, uh, air traffic management and uncurred traffic management and what's happening and how blockchain is really moving us forward. This is going to be a great subject. I don't think you want to miss it. Stand by. It's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, in just a second here, I'm going to bring in my guest. Let me, uh, let me bring him in and we'll make an introduction. Hey. Hello. Hi, Simon. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thank you, Mark. How are you? Very good. I'm doing fine. And uh, for those watching out there, where are you joining us from today? So I'm near Reading in the UK, which is about 15 miles west of Windsor. Fantastic. Excellent. I'm glad to have you with us on a Friday night. Uh, I appreciate it. And uh, hey, um, I, I want uh, everybody watching to know just a little bit about you. And so maybe we can just start out with just sort of a brief, quick statement and tell everybody just who you are and what do you do? Yeah, sure. I'm uh, Simon Brown. I'm uh, currently Enterprise Architect for Airline Operations at uh, EasyJet. I joined uh, three months ago, but prior to that, I spent uh, a good portion of my career. In fact, most of it in air traffic management. I joined Nats in the UK uh, in 99 and stayed there as a stopgap for some 17 years before joining Heathrow Airport. Uh, and then uh, during the pandemic, took the opportunity to do some collaborative R&D and stepped out of Heathrow. Uh, and worked in a small startup. So, um, so yeah, happy to be here sharing my knowledge about all things air traffic management and uh, the new world of Web3. Yeah, that's really great. Um, you know, uh, not everybody, well, I know everybody knows that uh, air traffic management is a critical component, you know, of our air traffic system, but I'm not really sure people, you know, completely understand, you know, the impact that it has on efficiency and the ability of us to be able to operate. And so what we're going to be doing today, everybody watching out there, is we're going to be getting into what are the real challenges in the industry out there today and uh, what are some of the ways that some of the new technologies are enabling us to be able to uh, solve that. And then we have some conversation that we're going to have at the end about uh, some things specifically that uh, Simon is involved in um, to be able to help uh, make some efficiencies and changes in the industry. It's good. So, hey, listen, um, as we're getting started, um, I always like to acknowledge the people that are watching. Everybody watching knows that. And um, I really would like for you to uh, uh, help us out. And we're really trying to get knowledge of blockchain, you know, in aviation out. And I'd appreciate it if you could start out by helping us and just share this stream. You'd be amazed at how much traction we get um, when we uh, share this stream. I looked at the broadcast statistics for this week so far. And I think we've reached about 15,000 people in the broadcast this week. And since we've started, I think we've reached probably around 50 or 60,000 people, you know, through the broadcast. And so for me, it's really exciting that we get to talk about uh, aviation and digital and blockchain. And so if you could help us share that, I would really appreciate it. And then uh, in addition to that, um, I love having uh, knowing where people are coming from. Um, let me just jump in first and, and say you said you were in, in, near Windsor, Simon. Is that what you That's said? That's right. Or? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. And for those that might be other places around the world, where is Windsor in relationship to uh, to London, for example? Yeah, it's about 20 miles uh, west of London. 
20 miles west of London. Okay, great. All right. And so if you're watching out there, let us know where you're watching from. Just drop a just drop a, a note in the comment box and say you're watching from a particular location and we'll, uh, we'll give you a shout out um, as part of that. We really like to do that. And then remember, we're going to be um, taking some questions again like we always do. And so it's always fantastic to be able to take questions. Hey, um, just so that we can be confusing here, um, we have a Simon Barker that I know also in the UK. And but but on the broadcast today, we we have Simon Brown. And so Simon Barker, thanks for joining. I really appreciate you uh, you being here and jumping on the broadcast with us. Um, we always have people joining from you know all around the world, which is really pretty amazing. And uh, it's fun just to see how we can connect with people and and uh, and get the word out you know to everybody. Hey, listen, let's um, let's start out and uh, and just jump in a little bit. And I'd like to know if uh, if you could just give us a little bit of information or background about yourself. You know what what have you done? And you said you were in air traffic management, and just give us a brief of of just what your history is. Sure, sure, no problem. So um, yeah, I started my career in '99 in uh, in air traffic control. I was working in uh, the flight data processing teams, uh, looking after client server equipment. Um, the, the computing equipment that would turn one set of gobbledygook coming out of a, a system which was built in pretty much the uh, the 1940s and 50s with uh, teletypewriter text coming through it and converting it into another type of gobbledygook that a mainframe uh, computer would would understand and that was my first real exposure to just how um, legacy a lot of the technologies are within the air traffic management space um, so I, as I moved through my early career uh, in that so I found myself into all sorts of project management and investment planning. Uh, eventually found my way into uh, product development and, and sales. Uh, had a lovely trip to uh, South Africa to try and sell uh, traffic flow management systems for the, uh, the 2008 World Cup, which was when Nats was just in the uh, in the foothills of being a more, uh, more of a commercial company. We hey, what is to... Nats? Just so you can explain to people real quick, what is Nats? Nats is the National Air Traffic Service. So yep. the equivalent okay. of the FAA in the UK. Yep, just want to so make sure covers. people watching outside of the UK know what you're talking about. Perfect. Yep. Okay. Yeah, so Keep that covers all, yeah. all, all towers or most of the towers in the big UK airports, as well as the en route space, as well as uh, halfway across the uh, the North Atlantic as well. Um, so yeah, go, going back to that time, it, it was an interesting time. It got me into the into the world of uh, air traffic flow management. So understanding um, the, the 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 choreography that goes on between airlines filing flight plans uh, and then applying sector flow restrictions to make sure you don't get too many aircraft in one bit of airspace at one time because controllers can't cope with a with an over demand um but but having gone into that world and then being sat next to the very person who was was going to be building airport collaborative decision making at heathrow which was all about sharing the best quality picture of what is about to happen on the ground before the aircraft get into the air um, now we all then, know that uh, we all know that um, you know the traffic is congested at uh, Heathrow and it's a high demand airport. Oh and, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, slots and yeah, right. Yep. Very very high demand air airport with um, only two runways uh, and um, with time restrictions. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, uh, an arrivals runway and a departures runway, uh, segregated mode. So um, yeah, and then that was shifting uh, a lot of passengers uh, annually. Uh, up until the uh, the pandemic, around about 80 million, uh, just before the pandemic, yeah. um, and that operation, and once it had implemented airport collaborative decision making, went from around about um, a sub 50% punctuality on on regular basis to above 80%. 
because we worked out how to sequence aircraft to push back at the right time so that you didn't get yeah. a, a big uh, delay at the runway holding point and you've complied with your network slots and you've maximized the throughput of the runway. And that it, was, it was, just a, it was just a couple of weeks ago that uh, we saw, um, you know, Heathrow, you know, cry out and say, stop, you know, we can't take all these flights. And so we know that it's a, it's a high demand airport and it needs a lot of, uh, a lot of attention. Hey, listen, um, Simon, I'm going to jump into that, you know, deeper um, mm -hmm. in a second here. I like to continue to recognize people that, you know, join the broadcast and I want to thank you for joining um, we have Steve Suttles joining us here from uh, MD Helicopters. You know, welcome. We're glad to have you. And uh, should be an interesting conversation today. We're going to talk about uncrewed traffic management, a little offshoot from MD Helicopters. Thanks for joining, Steve. And uh, then we have Simon as well. You know, glad, glad to have Simon here with us. And uh, and then we have, um, you know, I wish I could I wish I could pronounce the name. Uh, welcome. <laughs> glad to have you with us here today. Um, uh, thanks a lot. Glad to have you joining us today. Hey, um, let's continue to, to follow on your, um, your, your thought process there of your background, if we could, because I, I not only like people to know, you know what your subject matter expertise is, your background, but I also like for people to know a little bit about sort of the journey that you've been on. Mm. And I'm wondering if you couldn't maybe just take a second and uh, tell people that sort of what brought you to some of the new technology you're working on. What's this journey you know, that you went through? So, so the journey and, and, and the reason why I give the background of the airport collaborative decision making is that that discovery that actually you can get uh, a far better result by collaborating across different stakeholders. So knowing that um, Heathrow Airport is 80 odd airlines, nine different ground handlers, five terminals, uh, one air traffic management company, uh, and then the European airspace to fit into, getting all of those stakeholders aligned and, and agreeing to change is very, very hard but it's worth it once you do it. And it's very difficult to prove the results before you go ahead and, and actually implement some of these technologies. You have to kind of take a little bit of a leap of faith. So that was that was my first um, sort of real discovery is that actually we all can think that we know what the answer and the outcome might be, but actually until you actually do some of these things and try it, you'll never know. So there, a lot of the, um, uh, the, the time taken from the initial uh, project standing up, which we thought was would only be eighteen months. Uh, a lot of that was taken up with with just arguments. It was it was a uh, prove it. Well, conversations we, and we discussion. can't really. So yeah. we just need yeah. to try these things. So so you um so you went from from learning all about you know air traffic, you know from being in Nats and being in Heathrow and really understanding you know traffic and its flow and the challenges and the things which mm -hmm. work and the things that don't work, and then you know you begin to see some of the challenges, and then now I know that you're looking at more advanced technologies that we're going mm -hmm. to get into you know, a little bit later but what was that sort of moment where you're saying oh we have to do something different this really doesn't even make sense you know yeah well um have, having been on the um uh, moved out of nats long story short um job relocation and uh, and needed to uh, stay closer to home i moved to heathrow airport and um uh it was there that the um the next the next kind of epiphany came which was actually you're you're here at an airport and uh you're you're host to number of passengers they aren't your passengers they are they are the airlines passengers and if the airline's having a bad day with its it which is about two weeks into my job at heathrow uh, heathrow had a uh, um uh, an impact from british airways global it meltdown with a data center failure so um lots and lots of passengers uh, as guests of heathrow in in the terminal buildings going nowhere and nobody could tell them what to do next 
And that's that's the, the, the realization that actually we need to work better as an ecosystem to make sure that we are supporting each other so that we, yeah, we can avoid those those kinds of um, scenarios where actually it was, you know, the the, uh, the people, the staff on the ground that that were belonging to the airport that, that were actually bearing the brunt of people's anger because, you know, the, these were people that had booked trips of a lifetime, the yeah. people missing out on business meetings, weddings, you name it, and they and they because nobody could tell them what to do next they you know quite rightly they were getting angry so efficiency so in travel is just so important and so i i can see how you know you being involved in it every single day uh would place you in a position where you'd say man we just have to find better ways you know to do this hey listen let me just uh, recognize a couple other people that are out there watching um, we have john mark from a company called uh, skythread um you know looking forward to having you on the broadcast in the future and then we have uh, anna zita who's joined a lot of our uh, broadcasts in the past from Romania. Welcome. I'm glad to have you from Romania. Um, anybody else out there watching, if you'd like me to recognize you, just let me know, you know, where you're located at. Hey, um, uh, Simon, let's um, let's jump into sort of the heart of what people want to know about is that we want to look at industry challenges and what's being done about those industry challenges. If I were to ask you, you know, what are one or two of the, the biggest industry challenges out there today that are affecting, you know, efficiency and air traffic management? Well, I'd say that the uh, the biggest challenge and the biggest, um, you know, I guess, the source of demand for change is is the urban air mobility, advanced air mobility uh, sector, which, if by if you believe the numbers written by PricewaterhouseCoopers, would be worth about forty two billion pounds to the UK economy by twenty thirty. Mm -hmm. This sector is looking to increase the volume of flights in the air uh, tenfold, and they they may well be doing it in chunks of airspace that are far smaller than the traditional um, big airspace sectors that you operate a commercial airliner in. You know, Simon, um, so if I could just comment on that real quick, you know, if you think about it, is that, you know, we don't really understand the full impact of that yet. You said, you said it's increasing by tenfold, you know, and we're operating in a system today, which is safe. It's very safe, but you know, it has its operational challenges today, you know, and um, if you think about it, you know, just I, this, I know this isn't what we're talking about, but everyone and their brother, you know, is going out and buying a drone, you know, and they're flying them around and, and you know, and and they're already, you know, the FAA and, and uh, EASA, they said, we got to put some regulations around this, you know, because they're, they're not controlled because they can fly anywhere, anywhere at any time. And so they had to react and respond to that, you know, I guess, post the explosion of people buying drones in order to continue to maintain you know, safe operations. Okay. And so one of the things that would be critical to me is, you know, understanding, wow, this is a growing, this urban air mobility, this uncrewed traffic management, you know, need is out there. And we have all these um, companies that are growing and we need to get ahead of that, you know, and if it's really growing at the rate of what you're saying, you know, well, it's, 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 it's kind of the other way. It's, it, they need to catch up because these guys are going and they're, you know, they're, yeah. they're showing the way forward. What they're doing in uh, building their the, the sort of AI-driven kind of technologies that control uh, swarms of drones in cloud-native platforms is yeah. far ahead of anything that air traffic management. That is incredible. And just think about the think about the way that people can manage those today already. So I'm only bringing that up. That's not what we're talking about today. But I'm only bringing it up for people that are watching. Listen, just envision the the growth that's going to occur in uh, in un unmanned vehicles and, and maybe just for a minute let's uh let's let's try to explain what that really means simon if you could help people watching you know we used to refer to um, air traffic control atc you know when i started flying as a kid 
we called it ATC, air traffic control. And then I see the word ATM thrown out there and I see UTM thrown out, thrown out there. Um, just to explain to people, you know, quickly why we have some changes in terminology and what's the difference. Well, I guess the difference between air traffic control and air traffic management is that the control is is always going to be that the pilot and the controller have that two-way communication and the controller instructs the pilot to take a certain turn or climb to a certain level, descend, et cetera, et cetera. So they have that executive control. But air traffic management is is more about making sure that the, the system of systems is going to be able to cope with the demands of the uh, the aircraft that are up in the sky. So it's going to be there to prevent any of those kinds of scenarios where you're overloading a controller or a pilot with yeah. with too much. And then we have this new term that's come up called UTM. What is that? Yeah, uh, uncrewed traffic management is the uh, is the term we use today. And that that is all about making sure that, again, you don't have too many uh, vehicles operating in one particular sector at any given time. So you, you're guaranteeing that safety. It's like your your insurance policy, in effect. Okay. Okay, so so you, you've rightly pointed out that we have this very rapid growth in um, unmanned, potentially unmanned vehicles, or you know eVTOLs, or you know vehicles which basically you know may not be following in a traditional um, you know navigational system or pattern. We don't even know that. I don't even know that yet. So yeah. so that's and one. They, and they'll right? have different flying characteristics as well. So you know, a yeah. fixed wing and a rotorcraft will, will fly very differently, and uh, these uh, quadcopters and 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 or multi-rotor vehicles have very different characteristics. You know, they can they can hover, they can go backwards, you know, that they, <laughs> so, so there's different um, ways of controlling these things and, and making sure that they can stay out of trouble. Uh, and those are far beyond the, you know, the systems that today's ATM uh, would, would know. So, so even some of the, uh, the medium term conflict detection tools that, that are in place in the UK, they may well not be able to cope with some of these vehicle types without having some uh, reprogramming and, and some beha behaviors programmed in so they understand what are the capabilities of these vehicles and, and what could you do with them to communicate with them in an yeah. emergency. So, so what, other, what other challenges are we seeing in the industry besides you know, pro prolific growth you know, right now? What else are we seeing today? So today, um, technology. Technology is moving on at such a pace and we know that uh, the likes of uh, amazon and the likes of microsoft and google have cloud offerings they they give you a yeah our whole sweetie shop of different types of technology that you could build all sorts of clever stuff with um but that that kind of technology doesn't easily integrate with the legacy systems that we have of today which are built in the tele you know and they have roots in the teletype writer era and i think if you if you pop to nats today you may well still find that um, the, the the main national airspace system is still running on the old IBM mainframe code that was mm. that was around when the moon landings happened so you know, oh. this okay right. of... well, well since we brought up that thought of technology maybe we'll shift and have and begin that conversation so so we've identified you know growth in the industry you know technologies which uh, which are lagging and um, uh, you know and I, I always like to point out I've always been a person who's an advocate you know, of aviation and of the industry and advocate of safety. And if you look at safety today, you know, it's so much better than what it ever has been ever in history. And um, and so when we talk about these things, we don't talk about things being unsafe. I actually no, no. never use that. You know, what we talk about is, is that how do we optimize the operations? How do we continue to increase the margins of safety, you know, in all the things that we do? And so as we begin to look at sort of technology, and we might be pointing out certain things, we're not talking about unsafe environments. We're talking about 
you know, the evolution of things. How do we manage more yeah. and more efficiently and how do we use advanced technology? So so let's move into technology. What are some of the thoughts you have on technology that that are going to need to be applied in these kind of environments today? So so the, the challenge we have is that the, the hermetically sealed world of ATM um, and, the, you know, it is safe, no doubt. Um, that world needs to connect up with the world of the UTMs and who, who have been developing in the, the cloud native technologies. And that 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 kind of trust that you need you had established within the old traditional um, ATM world, which is based on perimeter security, you know, you've got a, a pilot who's been through flight school, it's got a uniform, sits in the in the in the cockpit of the aircraft, has been through all the security checks through the airport to make sure that that is the right person that should be sat in that cockpit. You have that as, as your model for security for the human around the pilot and similarly for the controller they, they will go through a rigorous process and they, they will know their teammates anyone will be able to spot somebody who's sat in a chair that doesn't belong to that watch or shift and and so you know the the, the controls that you have in place are a lot less strict within within those settings but the it that you have in the utm world you need to establish some level of trust because your pilots are going to be out literally in the field you know that you don't you won't know where they are you won't even know where the, the brain is that's controlling some of these aircraft if they're flying in um in some sort of swarm because it's hosted yeah. in the cloud so, so, so you, we have you're taking that security model and and you kind of you've got to reimagine your security model whereby you've got to establish trust in a different way so you brought up a couple of major points there you said number one first of all you said that we have to look at uh, collaboration you said we have new technologies emerging and um, those new technologies, you know, are being matched with existing technologies in ATM systems. And you're saying, how do we create that, you know, collaboration? That was the first thing I heard you say. The second thing I heard you say is, is that we have controlling and collaboration coming from different points. We have them coming from maybe vehicles and we have them coming from people and pilots and maybe they're on the ground and it comes from ATC or automation. And so maybe we address the first part of that right now. So the first half of that was collaboration between um, you know, new technologies and new providers and maybe existing air traffic management systems. What's the critical element that you're looking at there right now? What are the, what are the concerns and what are we going to do to be able to address those things from a technology standpoint? Well, I, I guess the always the critical element is the trust that a human has in the in the information that they see in front of them. So is that is that information coming from a known and trusted entity? Is it coming from somebody that that we have proof and provenance that they are authorized and and able to to put that information into the system because obviously if you put information in front of an air traffic controller that that could be corrupted or could be um, misleading then then that takes workload to process and when as soon as you start eroding that trust then you have a problem so so what we need to establish is that that trust um so that that's the, the big piece for me which okay. was another so, epiphany so along trust, the route um, you know, trust, that makes sense. So collaboration, we have to establish trust. Uh, tell me a little bit about your thoughts on how does uh, block usage of using blockchain technology come into play with the ability to, number one, collaborate, and number two, the ability to be able to trust. Maybe if you can address those those two pieces for us. So in, in terms of the ability to be able to collaborate, I think what it offers you is that distributed ledger capability. So you can distribute and you can authorize entities that are that have the ability to update certain bits of information about a flight so let's take for instance um, an off block time uh, of an aircraft uh, normally the ops, ops control center will know the best off block time because they filed the flight plan but 
as you get closer and closer to the off block time, the ground handler has a better idea and understanding, and they should then be authorized to overwrite that bit of information. So that, so that at any point in time, everybody has the best shared collaborative version of the truth. And that, and that, that is, that is kind of fundamental to, to the way that a blockchain works. You put the information in and then that's distributed across all the known actors. Not everybody then, if they're authorized, gets to see that, that information. So you've got a, a collaborative state store. So you, at all times, everybody knows the best known yeah. state. So, that so, we, the intrinsic so we have, we have that a blockchain, which is really attractive. So we have that collaboration that's occurring. Okay, that's solid. That's positive. All right. That, that now the blockchain enables us to be able to put the information in a place where it can be more easily collaborated to and then integrated with. And then help me understand this a little bit better. Is is it where does the trust element come from though? Is it, how do we how do we ensure that when we're doing that 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 we're ensuring trust in that depth yeah. though? Sure. So um, when you when you're doing your online banking. Um, you've got a, a certificate, so you you will recognise that when you've seen your certificate and you've got a, a tick tick mark against it, or it's come up as a certificate that's now expired or revoked, you know not to trust that website. Having that that kind of certificate, that digital certificate, helps you be reassured that the information you're dealing with is from somebody who's genuinely entitled to be within that operating network. But then trust is a very very tricky one to to establish within the ATM world. Because we know today that the ATM world is decentralized. It always has been. It always has been a, a cooperation between nation states and connecting up those nation states with physical, uh, what was pre previously physical links uh, between air traffic control centers to send messages between them. The message oriented architecture of the, of the network was built around the teletypewriters and the, and the exchanges you, you had previous to that which was people with Morse codes and they would forward on the messages to the next, to the next station. So, we, so that, we kind of moved beyond that, haven't we? <laughs> we have, we have, but yeah, in, in yeah. principle, the, the, it still yeah. remains. There is yeah. no central authority or central control of all that messaging that goes around the ATM network today. Yeah. So if you try to establish trust by using a, 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 a trust root certificate authority, what you've actually done is centralize ATM, and that, and that for me is is something that that I realised with a, with a conversation with one of my cybersecurity architects while I was at Heathrow, and saying, well, who owns the liability of of issuing those certificates? Can you imagine one uh, central entity wanting to take on that kind of liability of sending no. air traffic no. management messages around the network no. with with information such as who's on a royal flight, or who's who's where the military flights are going? I don't think no. so, and no nation state would ever sign up to that. And which right. which is where I feel, in in my experience, some of the um, uh, the the projects at a European level have kind of got a little bit stuck with um, the private key infrastructures, because somebody has to take on that liability. Yeah. Well, Simon, um, I know that you um, have done an extensive amount of study in this area. Um, I know that uh, you, in conjunction, where you were part of a team um, with Cranfield University. Uh, where there was some study done in this area. But for those of you watching, um, you know, I'm not an expert on Cranfield University, but I did, uh, I did interview a few weeks back um, one of the professors from Cranfield. And um, they're an aviation university, but they're very high tech. And they, they've been doing a lot of different studies in a lot of areas, including air traffic management. And, um, and uh, they did a study, uh, detailed study on uncrewed traffic management in the area of blockchain and some of the technologies going forward. And I wonder if you can maybe tell people a little bit about that, because I think that's, 
central to sort of the work that you've done in understanding the application of this technology and where it's going and how rapidly it can get there. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, sure. So the the, the project was actually much, much bigger than um, just Cranfield University. So it was a, oh, okay. a consortium yep. of uh, 13 uh, partners working under the UK Research and Innovation Grant of uh, around about 4.6 million pounds. And, and that was the project called Fly to Plan. And what we did with that was to try and bring together the, um, the existing stakeholders. So we've we've had IAG, um, the owner of British Airways and Welling, and um, a number of other airlines, uh, Nats, the UK ATM provider, and Heathrow, uh, together with some of the traditional IT providers, um, CETA and IBS, as well as some of the new startups that were coming through with um, uh, drone operations, that was Consortic, as well as Altitude Angel, and a, and a small software company that specialized in uh, software safety, that was Tech Tower. Together with uh, Cranfield University, as well as Oxford University and their uh, Department of Computer Science and the UK's Digital Catapult, uh, we formed a consortium to go and look at the challenges and look at how we could bring together ATM and UTM uh, and, and govern it and create an open source blockchain uh, and understand the, uh, the security matters and concerns around that, uh, that open source uh, blockchain project. And so, um, so yeah, the, the project ran for 15 months from October uh, 2022, uh, 2020 to uh, this uh, this year, and um, and that was uh, the result of that project was the report that uh, Dimitri, my good friend Dimitri Cranfield, uh, published uh, back in June this year. So um, hopefully we'll put that in the chat after uh, after this session and give people access yeah, to that. I, I think that would be good. Um, why don't we put a link in the chat at the end and uh, allow people to be able to go look at that report because I've read it and it's actually very, very interesting. It's very insightful. And for those of you watching, we're actually going to have Dimitri on this broadcast. I think it's on August 17th and we're going to be talking more in detail of it. But but my my point in bringing that up is, is that um, I know a lot of people ask is, is that, you know, is this technology real? Okay, we have a problem. We have a growth of the system, you know, and, and we have this need for collaboration and we have to move more, you know, vehicles um, in the air, more aircraft, you know, and so I think people ask is that, is that okay, the problem is real, but is this technology real and is, is the solution real and how far away really is it? So could you maybe address the person who's mm -hmm. thinking, you know, is this real and how far away really is it, you know, today? Well, I would say the, the R&D project, um, we created a, some proof of concepts and demonstrators. And what we showed people was the art of the possible. So you can take the technology, you can blend it together. You can work with industry standard data models. You can work with cloud technologies. You can work with containerization. Uh, you can work with self-sovereign identities to build that, that trust framework and that trust, that decentralized private key infrastructure. All of these things are possible. And, and I think showing people the art of the possible is the most important step so we're, we're a little way off industrialization has to be said but it's um uh, ceta the uh, the original um uh, provider of the uh, the flight chain um source code and the foundation that we that we built on um are still running with it now and i, I think yeah. what we can see now is that there, there will be a time when people will demand that these these kinds of solutions come in because we know that the there is a challenge with scale. We know that yeah. there is a challenge with modernization. 
So and, and that's the thing, Simon, is that we can't wait to address those things until they become, you know, problems. Like the drone example I brought up is, is that, mm -hmm. you know, if you have drones flying around everywhere and there's no controls over them, I mean, they're going to be running into airplanes and they're going to be mm -hmm. running into populated areas. And, you know, and, and if we don't address um, the movement of the industry and the advancements that are happening in the industry, uh, you know, as the, as the time becomes appropriate, we create problems, you know, as a result mm -hmm. of that. Yeah. And, um, and so, uh, you know, for those of you asking out there, is this even really real? Um, listen, uh, I, John Mark said, oh, nine episodes already. Keep going. You know, thanks, John Mark. I appreciate it. You know, where we're addressing blockchain and aviation. And one of the reasons that I am is because, you know, I would challenge people out there is that, you know, before we even started talking about these things, you know, how many blockchain and aviation projects could you have named or come up with? OK, um, you know, probably not very many, maybe one or two, maybe at the most. And, and as we've moved down this path, you know, we've identified that blockchain is being used in so many different areas already today. And some are in production and some are in development and some are innovative ideas and we're looking at places to apply them. And so my challenge from the beginning was saying we need to look at the challenges that we have in the industry. All right. The problems we have. Number one, growth. All right. You know, growth of, of uh, unmanned vehicles. All right. Number two, collaboration. We look at the challenge we have and we say, how are we going to solve that problem? Does the current technical infrastructure enable us to be able to manage that traffic? I'm going to ask you that question, Simon. Does the current technical infrastructure we have in air traffic management allow us to increase aircraft by tenfold? No. <laughs> Just some instances, no. <laughs> no, it's like a short, concise answer. No. All right. And so, so either there's going to be a bottleneck creating where we can't advance and move this technology out and forward, or it's going to move forward ahead of, you know, the ability to be able to manage it. But uh, what we really need to be doing is we need to be putting in place the, the requirements uh, necessary to be able to manage that growth because we all know how exciting it is. Hey, listen, Simon, I want to tell you something real quick. Is it, um, I, I, you know, I've traveled all over the world for many, many years. And before the pandemic, um, one time I was down in uh, Sao Paulo and uh, there's an airport to the north and there's an airport to the south. There's a number of them in Brazil in Sao Paulo. And uh, uh, what really was, it's not that far from uh, um, San Jose dos Campos to Guerreros Airport in the north. And um, I don't know how far it is, but if there was no traffic, it would take you maybe 30 or 45 minutes. But, um, you know, it took me three or four hours one day to get there. And the traffic was so bad that, you know, people were on the freeway and they were actually selling, you know, like candy bars and things to people in the cars because the traffic was basically stopped. Right. Wow. And, and what happened was, is that they implemented a helicopter service where you could fly there in just a few minutes. All right. You know, from one airport to the next. And so the reason I bring that up is that that's a perfect example of a real world problem that exists that's being solved by point to point, you know, urban air mobility and helicopter service and things like that. And so this is going to move forward faster than any of us could possibly imagine, in my opinion, you know, at this point. What do you think? So I, I, I've heard of the, uh, the Sao Paulo example, and, and it, it is, a, you know, it's a, it's a great um, example of, you know, you can, you can get for the, the people that aren't willing to suffer that, um, that long journey through the, through the urban traffic, and, and they've got the money to pay for it, then yeah, they, they will take it. Um, but I think, you know, we, we can look at um, in the UK and perhaps in, in North America, some of the examples around um, deliveries and reaching some of the remote places in the country. So we've got um, Highlands and Islands up, up, uh, at the top of the country. Um, some of them are very remote and to keep them connected, it may well be that actually the most efficient way of doing that is to 
provide some sort of autonomous service to to get the, uh, the the goods in and out or maybe at some point in the future the people in and out but um you know you, there is always a balance with some of these things because you have to recognize that you know sometimes the the person that's doing the air traffic control at those remote places is, is also the postmaster and is also the publican of the uh, the local pub and you know it's so, so, so what be... you're bringing up though is that you're suggesting that we're going to see un, unmanned um you know traffic management for things like uh deliveries and things like that long before we're going to see it for people you know movement is that what you're saying what? I think the, um, the the demonstrators we're going to be seeing in the, the the future flight challenge phase three, which is is getting underway, um, they all they all look at to having either a remote pilot or a a pilot on board the craft. Uh, so the going fully autonomous um, is, is some time off, I think, but it's um, I'm I'm not uh, one of these uh, these pundits that's going to take a bet on when you're going to see it for real. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know what? Just a couple of years ago, um, you know, I. I said to myself is, is that I just don't see that we're going to have electric aircraft, you know, anytime in the near future, because just the technology and the weight of batteries and the capacity of batteries, you know, just didn't support it. And so just a few years ago, you know, I thought that electric, uh, you know, engines, electric motors were much further off, you know, than what they are today. And today they're in use. All right. And so, yeah. you know, I think as we see the advancement of technology, we're going to see these things move forward. You know much more quickly. Hey Simon, I want to move into the next piece of this. I know you're involved in something called Fly to Plan. It's a uh, um, uh, we'll tell people what it is. What are you involved in? What is it basically? So that that's the project now that's now finished, and that that was the project that we established um, with the Future Flight Challenge. Um, what we essentially did from a technology level um, was was take some of the uh, uh, the hyperledger fabric uh, capabilities, um, look at how we could uh, containerize those. Uh, build uh, a Byzantine fault tolerant network because we knew that actually the air traffic management system as we know it today um, is decentralized and it also includes some of the other uh, countries which perhaps aren't as trustworthy uh, amongst their, uh, some of the others. So let's take North Korea, for instance, that's got a connection to, to China. Um, but it still means that anybody could send a message to North Korea and they could send a message to anybody else. So that that's that kind of um, uh, need for a, a network that could tolerate some sort of misbehavior on the network was essential. So we, we changed the consensus mechanism and we put a Byzantine fault tolerant mechanism in. I'm not going to go into any more detail than, than that on how it works. So I will leave that to others far more qualified uh, okay. to, to, to right. explain that. And, and we also Actually, did we're some... going to have some more conversation on that uh, on Monday, you know, so we can get into more technical details. But the question I have is, is that it's built on the blockchain, right? Yeah. Okay, it, it's just... built on a, a distributed ledger. So a distributed it, ledger. Yeah. So okay. it, uh, let's make that distinction clear. It's not on a public blockchain. It's not. Yeah. yeah right. Okay. It's not so using it uses... uh, Ethereum or or anything else. Okay. It uses distributed ledger technology to be able to provide a platform so there can be collaboration and access and sharing of the of the air traffic management data. That's correct. Is that a, correct? Is that an yeah. And with that differential privacy assurance so that you know that the information you put on and you give permissions to to others to to be able to view or change um, means that they can do that but nobody else can see the information but they can verify that something happened and it was done by an authorized entity and nothing more than that so that's okay. how you build up the network of trust and, and and what is your involvement in that was that that was looked at you know during the study phase and then there's 
There's deployment work being done today. Just tell me a little bit more about it. So the, the, the project was part of the Future Flight Challenge. Uh, the, the Future Flight Challenge was a, a three-phased project. The first phase was to get some expressions of interest uh, to address the System of Systems Challenge and address the fact that the System of Systems won't scale. Um, we put forward a, uh, an initial smaller consortium of, of about six partners, which then grew to 13 to, to uh, make sure that we got all the views and all of the academic expertise that we needed to qualify for the, for the, for the funding. Uh, and that phase two project was expected to go into another follow-up phase to then go further and industrialize. But actually, what, what actually happened was the, uh, the, the challenge fund was even more oversubscribed the, the next time around. And the, the project didn't make the cut, so so unfortunately, the, uh, the all of the code that we've developed is is now on the shelf. It's in uh, an open source repo, which um, one of my uh, colleagues may may be able to uh, point you in the right direction to. Um, and then, and then that's that's as far as it's gone. But we do know that the uh, uh, the colleagues in in CETA, who initially brought the the flight chain uh, product to the to the table for us to change and and to uh, integrate some of these new capabilities the byzantine fault tolerance they are still um looking after that and and making making sure that it continues to uh, to build on on the good research foundation that we've done and and simon who are the who are the major partners that were just sum up who are the some of the major partners that were involved you've named CETA and cranfield university and yep. who else Yep. So um, I've got my list up here, so just to remind me, oh, okay. uh, we had we had Heathrow Airport, um, and I, while I was at Heathrow Airport, is it was there that I established uh, the project, um, International Airlines Group, um, NATS, the UK air traffic control provider. Uh, we had CETA and uh, IBS. IBS are the database provider at Heathrow Airport. Uh, we also had Consortic, who are a drone uh, training company, as also a a drone um, uh, flying company, uh, Altitude Angel, who provide UTM and they provide the uh, the Guardian UTM platform. Uh, we had Sirium, who formerly the Snowflake software, who were experts in uh, the, the the more modern uh, data exchange protocols in air traffic management. Uh, so the Fixums of the world, if you're familiar with that, um, and then. On the other side, looking at the airports exchange, data exchange side of the world, we had Rockport Software, uh, who look after the ACI Acris semantic model. Uh, Tech Tower and my a former business partner, Matt, who's who's uh, an absolute whiz at software safety. And he was the one in the brains behind medium term conflict detection. And yeah, he's actually going to be on the uh, on the broadcast on Monday. We've got him coming on to the broadcast. So we're going to be talking more details about that. Yeah. Save all yeah. your technical questions for him. Okay. The techier, the better. <laughs> You'll love it. Well, and hey, then, the, the reason... Oh, go ahead. Three, three more to cover. There's uh, oh, okay. Cran right, Cranford University um, and and who, who were brought in to do the, the trust and assurance in autonomy and AI. So... Um, they were looking specifically around how, how does blockchain work for AI and, and vice versa. How can AI work for the blockchain? Uh, Oxford University uh, and Louise Axon, who was uh, the researcher there, did a fantastic paper on use of uh, blockchain technology for decentralized PKI. As, and there's another white paper that we could put in the chat uh, following this. And then finally, the Digital Catapult, who are a, a non-government organization uh, in the UK, part of the Catapults network. And they're they're um, um, designed to bring in industry, academia, 
small medium enterprises and big uh, established companies to to accelerate some of the uh, the uh, the concepts and they they brought a a product management capability as well as a capability in distributed ledger so yeah it was it was a dream team uh, it absolutely is. And I just was going to say that one of the things that we need when we're trying to, you know, um, bring new technologies forward like this into new uh, market spaces is we need to have people that are scientists and people that, that are subject matter experts and people that have industry knowledge and, and knowledge of execution. And it sounds like, you know, you put together a real knowledgeable team to be able to address this and to be able to begin helping to move this forward, you know, this whole this whole idea forward. Yeah. And, and really what, why I'm here is to help hopefully uh, allow others to see all the good research that we've done and, and allow others yeah. to then stand on the shoulders of what we've what we've created yeah, good, what we've done good, good. because you know you do have to make sure that you can lift others up and and pass on yeah. the knowledge specifically in the scientific community um because you know that that's how we learn as as people and and that's how we en end up being able to engineer better systems is by putting the uh, the learning and the knowledge out there and allowing others to also to build upon it so so that's why I'm here. Yeah, I um, I absolutely agree. And uh, yeah, for those of you watching today, um, you know, the reason that I wanted to bring Simon on today is because of his background in air traffic management and data and blockchain, you know, specific experience in these areas and then having been involved in some of the studies, you know, that we're doing. And so um, I, I know that there's people out there that want to learn more about it. And uh, you mentioned a couple of times, there's a few things that you're going to put into the chat. Um, Simon, tell people what you're going to do. You're going to put a link in the in the comments to what you're going to put two things out there. What is it? Yeah, I've got uh, a link to the uh, the paper that uh, Dimitri um, uh, led the authoring, uh, and uh, that was contributed to uh, by myself, um, Tuli from uh, CETA. Uh, it was also uh, Dimitri and Carolina at, at Cranfield University, Rob from the Digital Catapult, and Louise from Oxford University. We all. Um, pulled together uh, the final thoughts and 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 presented back uh, the uh, the paper for Cranfield to then to then issue out so um yeah. so yeah I'll put the link to that in the chat uh, I'll also I'll put a link in to just just so you can see some of the um the challenges that we have with uh, private key infrastructures within single european sky we I can show you that the the projects that were expected to deliver a long time ago still haven't delivered so um, you can see that there's an opportunity okay. here to, to provide some different technology. And I can also provide a link to um, uh, Louise's paper on uh, decentralized uh, PKIs as well. I'll do that. OK, good. So let's put those in the, the comments at the conclusion of the broadcast. And uh, Simon, if someone wants to reach out directly to you, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Uh, get, tap me up on LinkedIn. I'm uh, uh, UK Simon Brown. So there's probably quite a few Simon Browns in the world. Okay. <laughs> but, okay but good, I'm, good. I'm also connected and, uh, to Mark as well. Trouble, so it should be should be, too, should be easy to find from yeah. from your. If followers. you have any troubles getting a hold of them, you know, shoot me an email, and uh, I can always connect you guys on LinkedIn. But um, listen, uh, you know, one of the things that I, you know, some of the objectives I have, I told you guys this before, is is that I'm trying to make you aware of the things that are happening in the industry, in aviation industry, and um, the technologies, how it's coming together to help us solve business problems and create better efficiency, you know, in our industry. And this, you know, air traffic management is clearly a place where, you know, we're going to have to provide better efficiency in order to be able to handle the growth, you know, in the system um, that exists today. And so uh, this is a very important topic. And um, Simon, I appreciate you coming on today and uh, sharing your knowledge with people and, and being able to share these, uh, these white papers. And so, Simon, thanks so much. I really appreciate you bringing these things together and bringing them to our attention today. That's been a pleasure, Mark. Thank you very much for inviting me. And uh, yeah. 
take care and um, enjoy the weekend. Yeah, good, good. So um, just to let you guys know what's coming next is uh, actually Monday. Um, I had already made a reference is that we have uh, we have uh, Matt, uh, who's your business partner. I'm sorry. What's Matt's uh, what's Matt's last Matt name? Bannum. Yep. Matt's Matt Bannum. Bannum. And uh, Matt is going to be here on Monday and he's going to talk more about some of the technical details of air traffic management and uh, Tech Tower and specifically the uh, services and solutions that they're implementing. And then I want to start advising you about my broadcast on Wednesday, if I could. Um, I had a very special guest I wanted to bring in um, uh, from uh, Bangkok, and we uh, unfortunately just couldn't find a time to make it work. And so I'm actually going to be moving the broadcast three hours earlier um, on Wednesday. And so normally it's coming to you at 1600 GMT. And so we're actually going to move it ahead three hours to 1300 and, um, and I know that in the U.S. it's not going to be possible for people to be able to watch it at five o'clock in the morning. But, uh, you know, never fear. Um, there's recordings of that and you will be able to uh, watch a recording of it. And um, but I really felt like it was important to bring this expertise in on Wednesday. So I'm just telling you now that Wednesday's broadcast is going to be early. And then we also have a third guest on Friday. But listen, I'm continuing to try to you know, find interesting speakers like Simon that can come here and share knowledge in different areas. You know, we've talked about uh, cryptocurrency and we've talked about air traffic management and we've talked about, you know, um, blockchain and uh, supply chain solutions and, you know, and all sorts of different things. And we're continuing to grow and expand that. Um, we're on our ninth episode of 24. We're actually going to have, um, you know, 24 total uh, throughout the month of August. And so um, you are not going to want to miss this. And uh, if you do, I'm going to be providing in the very near future a place where you can go look at the, uh, the recordings more conveniently and access them. But thanks everybody for joining. And um, I, I appreciate you supporting our blockchain and aviation uh, broadcast that we're doing. I am passionate about digital. I'm passionate about aviation. And when I ever have, have an opportunity to be able to talk on the two and bring in guests that have the same passions, it's fun for me. So Simon, I hope you enjoyed yourself as well. Very much so, Mark. Thanks very much. Yep. Good. Hey, listen, everybody, thanks for joining today. Fair winds and following seas. And I want to thank you for being with us. Have a great day. Bye for now. Thank you.